0: Hogwarts, teachers, Hello, and welcome to Wizard Studies. Join us as we peruse all things Potter. Hello, and welcome to Wizard Studies. I'm Katie.
1: And I'm Audrey.
0: And today we are going to be talking about house elves. Sorry, I was gonna try and think of something funny to say, but I couldn't think of anything on the spot. Our favorite tennis ball-eyed creatures. Yeah.
1: They're the only ones, but okay.
0: <laughs> well, oh, I meant to I meant to look this up before we started recording, but do you know what the classifications of house elves are? Like are they beings? Are they creatures?
1: Oh, don't worry. I that's like what the whole first section is on. Beautiful. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Do you want to announce this? You want me to announce this? You can. Okay. So, this episode is being released on May 26th, so if you're listening to it then, then it's still a little early for this announcement. But um, June is Pride Month, as most of you probably know. And we are going to do a little bit of a, I don't really know, Pride Month event (laughs) that's (laughs) what i don't know you you would call it promote it's not really a promotion yeah anyway (laughs) we so given that i am queer and that katie is an incredible ally and the status of a certain creator of potter being transphobic We um, wanted to do a little like Pride Month thing to celebrate Pride Month, especially this year. um, Like we can't have pride parades and events and everything. So just a little bit to commemorate the month, um, celebrate all of the wonderful people in the LGBTQ community. So we have designed and created buttons um, similar to our Wizard Studies buttons that some of you may have, same size. But they are three. There are three different designs with, um, so there's one that has a rainbow flag in the background and has a lightning bolt on it in black. There's one that has the bi flag in the background and has Harry Potter glasses on it in white. And there's another that has the trans flag in the background and it has our logo um, superimposed over it in black. So we just wanted to use these buttons as a way to spread pride, celebrate the month, and we're going to use them to collect donations. Um, so yeah. we'll be kind of like, you'll people will receive the buttons in return for donating um, to our Pride Month fundraiser. That's the right word for it, is fundraiser. There you go. <laughs> and then we are going to donate the proceeds of that to an organization called True Colors United which works to end homelessness in LGBTQ youth. So they work with homeless shelters, youth homeless shelters, um, to kind of make them more open and accepting and have programming for queer youth. And they also work to lobby um, for legislation that would help um, these kids and just like queer rights in general. So should I explain the logistics of it is there anything that you want to say <laughs> no <laughs> I Sorry, mean kinda, no no you're good kind of said everything
0: that was that was a good succinct thing um I just want to make sure that we're clear and that like all the proceeds will be donated to this we will be taking a little bit out and you'll probably talk about this a little bit in the logistics we're going to be taking a little bit of the donation money just to cover like shipping costs mostly um we did get a generous donation um from somebody in my family that paid for the button so we didn't have to worry about that so we're just gonna be taking out a little bit for shipping um, but we also want to be clear that Audrey and I are going to be spending our money in this as well. Um, so like we won't take out enough money to cover all the shipping costs. Like we are committed to donating as much as we can. Um, so we're going to be taking a little bit of the financial load as well just to make sure that we can get a good solid donation to help out as many people as possible at the end of this.
1: Yeah. And we I guess we haven't really decided yet, but we want to make the donation in the name of either like our podcast listeners or just Potterheads in general, the Potter community, um, something to show kind of, I guess, with what I said earlier, like with what JK Rowling has kind of propagated as her views. something to show that we as a community reject that and we're supportive and welcoming because that is exactly what we have found the Potter community to be. Mm -hmm. Um, So logistically, um, I have set up a GoFundMe page where you can go and donate to our cause or to True Colors um, through us. And I think the minimum donation that you can do on there is $5. I can't make it any less. Um, But I think we kind of agreed that that's a fairly, reasonable um, donation because you'll get three buttons for any donation that you make you get one of each type of button so if you can go to the goFundMe page which I'm sure you'll be able to find all over our social media we'll put it in our episode note or our episode descriptions um, for the month of June and go to the goFundMe page donate however much you feel like you can or you want to and then send an email to me uh, or to us at wizardstudiespodcast at gmail.com. And let us know your address and that you donated and would like to receive buttons. Um, you can of course donate and not receive buttons, but kind of the whole point is <laughs> or not the whole point, but that's something that we want to spread throughout too. We have these buttons that we made. So let us know, make sure you do that and give your address because there's no, I don't think there's any way for me to like set up the GoFundMe so that I can get your address that way. So it's a little bit of a two-step process. Um, but yeah, we would really appreciate all your support. Um, we just want to do something to celebrate Pride to um, show how awesome this community is.
0: Yeah, and if forever for whatever reason you feel like five dollars is something that you maybe can't swing at the moment, but you still want to take part, message us and we can we can maybe give you our Venmo and you can just Venmo us directly um, so that you can still participate um, in this awesome fundraiser that we're going to do. But, um, like Audrey said, you could DM us or message us or email us anywhere. Um, we'll do our best to keep up with all of that. And I don't know what we want to do for shipping. We haven't really decided if we're going to do kind of like as you guys roll in the donations, we'll send them out, or if we want to do just like kind of one big, Um, mail out kind of at the end we'll discuss that a little bit later if you guys would prefer one over the other let us know um this is going to be kind of a learning experience for us like we haven't done anything like this before um and we've done our best to like plan for everything beforehand but obviously like i said we've never done this before so there might be some like kinks in the planning um but yeah, so just bear with us. We'll tra- we'll try our best, and thank you in advance to anybody who donates. Like we really appreciate this. This is something that we're both like very passionate about, and like really want to help as much as
1: possible. Yeah, yeah, definitely message us if you don't have the ability to donate five dollars, and you still want to get buttons or anything like that. Shouldn't stop you. Um, we want this to be open to everyone. It's just that I can't make the minimum donation any less on GoFundMe or maybe I can and if you know more about GoFundMe let me know (laughs) um so yeah we're really excited about that happy pride everybody yes and with that I guess we'll jump straight into this episode on house elves
0: yeah a little bit of more social justice themes going on in this episode oh yeah (laughs)
1: Hermione would be so proud (laughs) (laughs) so a house elf is a magical being which is immensely devoted and loyal to one designated as their master so that's kind of just like the generic description that you find on the wiki so i kind of went pretty in depth on what a being actually is turns out there's a lot of history on this in the intro to fantastic beasts and where to find them the like book the like textbook thing not the movie um so a being is one division of magical creatures. There are also beasts and spirits, which is what we know of like today, the three divisions being, but there's actually like a long history that's been written now trying to define beings. So that started in the 14th century with Burdock Muldoon, who's the chief of with the wizard's council, which is like what predated the ministry. And, Um, He said that beings are any member of the magical community that walked on two legs and everything else was a beast. So in an effort to kind of bring all of wizards and beings together, he summoned all beings to meet with wizards at a summit to discuss magical laws. But he was pretty quickly shown that he was wrong in his definition because goblins brought with them as many two-legged creatures as they could find and the summit was chaos um i would recommend like reading this intro to the book if you have it it's pretty funny they talk about like the trolls like destroying the hall and all these (laughs) other like what were then qualified as beings kind of just like wreaking havoc um and after that Muldoon decided to swear off any further attempts to integrate non-wizards into the wizards council so he became pretty um, pretty jaded 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 that's, that's the word i was going for <laughs> so then his successor madame Elfried clagg um <laughs> tried to redefine beings to again like get closer with creatures and bring them in with wizards and she said it was any creature who could speak the human tongue And the creatures then who wanted to be classified as beings had to make themselves understood to the Wizards Council, and then they would be invited to another meeting to discuss magical laws. And goblins, again, kind of messed this up, where they (laughs) taught trolls simple sentences so that they could get into the summit meeting, and then the trolls destroyed the hall. Um, Ghosts were angry about the council ignoring their needs um that it was like something about prioritizing the needs of the living over the <laughs> desires of the dead well. <laughs> <laughs> and centaurs protested on behalf of mer people so because centaurs previously had not been classified as classified as beings because they have four legs and they protested on behalf of mer people who are actually very intelligent but were classified as beasts because they speak mermish not english or another human language So again, it was kind of a shit show. And then it wasn't until 1811 with Grogan Stump, who was the newly elected minister. And he classified beings as any creature that has sufficient sufficient intelligence to understand the laws of the magical community and to bear part of the responsibility in shaping those laws. So this is the definition of being that is like still used today. Um, A few groups kind of still protest this. So ghosts didn't want to be called beings because they were clearly quote has beens. So a spirit division was made for them. And then centaurs wanted to be called beasts um, kind of in protest. They wanted to be separate and not subject to wizarding laws. They've always like wanted to go their own way. So they're actually still called beasts, even though they're like highly intelligent creatures. And house elves are beings, as I said earlier. So they're included in the being division of the Department for the Regulation and Control of Magical Creatures. And there's an office in that department called the Office for House Elf Relocation. And Newt had worked here for a few years, I guess, like after leaving Hogwarts. And he said it was incre- it- extremely boring because I think you just like want a house elf's like family. Dies. Freeze them or dies or something. Yeah. They just, like, move them to another family.
0: <laughs> I wonder if you have to pay for house elves.
1: Maybe, like, the first time you get them.
0: Yeah. Because, like, obviously they don't pay the house elves. But I wonder if they're, right. like, a commodity that, like, the government kind of owns. Like, I wonder if they're, like, yeah. employees of the ministry kind of thing. So you, like, pay the... Min- I don't know. I... I don't know. Well, because, like, obviously if you're relocating them, can you just, like, put your name in a lottery, like, to get the next house elf available?
1: I guess I feel like it would kind of work like slavery did, like, with a, like, an auction. And so you pay to get the house elf. Yeah. But then, like, any progeny that that house elf has are just, like, automatically yours. Yeah. I mean, like, house elf are slavery. Yeah. Or, like... The whole system is slavery so i feel like it would work similarly to how slavery historically worked which is a great parallel well we'll talk about that later yeah just a little bit more on house elves so they're usually found under the employment of old wizarding families so like the families we see that have them the blacks the malfoys um these like pure blood families that go back centuries and centuries uh they must do everything their master commands and are only freed when presented with clothes by their masters they're forced to punish themselves if they disobey the clothes thing has always been kind of confusing to me because what happens if like do the house elves not do the laundry or is it like you give them the like bass the laundry basket and you're like this is not to free you this is to do laundry
0: yeah That's interesting, because, like, obviously they do the laundry. I could not, in my life, picture Narcissa Malfoy doing laundry. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Maybe because, like, you're not really giving ownership, like, of the clothes to them. You're just, Mm. like, temporarily, like, in their possession. Like, me, like, me giving my mom my shirt to wash isn't, like... This is now your shirt. You know, like obviously I expect it back. So I wonder if it's something like that. But then that would like recount Malfoy handing Dobby yeah. the book. Cause obviously he wasn't like, here, Dobby, keep this.
1: Yeah. The you know, sock. it was like, yeah. here,
0: Dobby, take this. And the sock was just in the book or in the diary. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know.
1: I it's always seemed like a plot hole to me, yeah, but I well, think I'm reading too far into it.
0: I talk a li- not I guess not so much about that, but like the magic in binding households to their masters mm. a little bit later. So we'll kind of
1: Okay. I don't wanna to go too far into it then. Um, so then just to wrap up this section, I'm gonna read a little bit from the wiki page they talk about inspiration for house elves that JK could have had so just generally like elves doing tasks around the home is pretty common in European folklore um, and then they cite two examples that like could be the inspiration for house elves are like pretty much like they seem to be they're pretty spot on. So the most well-known example of this in the English-speaking world is the brownie, a small fairy-like creature who helps around a home in exchange for daily food and drink in the form of hot milk, honey, and gruel, but, but will depart forever if it is paid in human money. In some of the legends, rather than departing, the brownie would instead turn malicious and antagonize their owners. And when a brownie turns malicious, it's called a bogart. Huh. Which is so funny because it like really has nothing to do with yeah. the bogart that we know, but like that's somehow maybe she was doing research for house elves and yeah, then, and then saw that, that word. Huh. Huh. Yeah,
0: that's interesting. Also, that made me think about house elves like and food because because obvi- they could be getting like food from their masters. So I mean, not that that's like really a valid form of compensation, but right. It is something that they're getting in return,
1: yeah. Um, okay, so then the other one is the other source of inspiration would be French folklore's Farfaday. I don't really know that how to sounded good to me. <laughs> So, originating in the southern areas, one specific legend about Farfadays is that they were wrinkled, brown-skinned midgets who went around either naked or wearing dirty rags, a description that is almost identical to Rowling's elves. The Farfadays would help around a farming home, completing tasks not done in the day by the human servants. They would leave forever if the master of the house gave them new clothes to replace their shabby old ones. Once again, the parallels are obvious, though in this case the reasoning is that farfadays are proud creatures who are offended by the implication that their clothes need replacing. Hmm. I think that's really interesting when we think about like the difference in, the difference in how they interpret the clothes, because um, it's kind of like house elves are proud, but in like proud to like serve, kind have? of. Um, but the parallels of that are, like, so clear. Yeah. I mean, there's no way that she didn't have that, that in mind when she created them.
0: Yeah. I like that. I like the learning about the origins and, like, where things came from. Because, obviously, we can't operate under the assumption that everything in this universe is unique to jk rowling's imagination like obviously a lot of (laughs) this came from inspiration and like other things a part of like folklore and history yeah okay so moving on to their magic and skills um so house elf magic as we see throughout the series is different from wizard magic but it's still just as strong like it has this it's different, I guess. Like, I've already said that, but that's, like, the main thing. It's just different magic.
1: And it's they, not lesser than.
0: Yeah, it's just different. Um, and they can perform magic in instances when wizards cannot. Example, when Dobby can disapparate and apparate into Malfoy Manor, um, into the basement of Malfoy Manor, and the wizards can't. Um, And then house elves cannot perform magic without their master's permission but if they do they just have to um, they can kind of like get around this by just punishing themselves afterwards so we see Dobby um, do this kind of to get to Harry and like doing things without the master's permission they just can punish themselves afterwards and it's not clear really if that's if they're compelled to punish themselves like through magic like if they like have to or if it's just more of this thing ingrained in them that, like, if they disobey their master, they must punish themselves. It's not clear, like, which one it is. Um, but we just know that they have to do it afterwards.
1: Yeah, wait, you said cannot but they can perform yeah so
0: like technically they can't but like the loophole is that they can just punish themselves afterwards that's kind of the way they can get around that and i think some of the punishments we see Dobby, like obviously he tries to like hit himself a couple times like with the lamp or with the skelegro bottle i think they're like he
1: irons his hands um yeah it's interesting I guess the distinction between do are they like bound by magic to do that or is it just like are they like trained to do that? Yeah. And is it something about like the pride of like serving a master even if like Dobby clearly doesn't really like his master? Yeah, it's so like but his purpose. is there something in him? Yeah, yeah, is there something in him where like is it magical or does he just feel like he has to because that's what he's been taught? Because Harry does like kind of get him to stop.
0: Yeah. But So it seems like it's something after, that you can break. Like, he's done it a couple times. Like yeah. He's, like, the one instance, like, obviously in the movies, like, he's hitting himself with the lamp, and, like, Harry takes the lamp out of his hand. Like, if Harry had done that, taken the lamp out of his hand before he had hit himself at all, like, would the outcome be any different? Like, would he still continue this manic kind of state to injure himself, or would it stop? Okay.
1: And is, is, I think the only real... Example we see of like a household punishing themselves is Dobby. Yeah. So like, is that because he has been abused? Yeah. That like, is it because the the Malfoy specifically or like bad people are his owners? Where like, if you had owners that weren't abusive or weren't like that bad, you know, like they were still your masters. Yeah, you're still a slave, but like they wouldn't punish you that way. Maybe, maybe you. The house elf would be different in punishing themselves.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's it's just it's very unclear a lot of the time with house elves whether they're compelled to do something because of a magical bond to their master, master, or if it's just because that's the way it's always been for them. That's just mm-hmm. what you do. But there is a clear instance where you see the magical bond between master and house elf, and this is with creature and Harry because we see him actively like harry yell shut up or like be quiet or something and creature is still like opening his mouth trying to make noise and he physically cannot yeah. so that's an instance where like we see that house elves are magically bound to at least complete the tasks that their master gives them so then, that kind of complicates again the thing with the punishment. Like, is that also bound by magic? Because like, that's not clear. Like the tasks are clear. That is clearly a form of like magical bond that happens through the will that Sirius had and passing down his like all of his what is it, like state estate estate, estate yeah, um, to Harry yeah. Um, And like that was something that was tested. Like we weren't sure whether that will would have like covered all of that because we weren't sure whether everything would have just been passed down to the next black as it probably like technically should have done, or if Sirius's will of changing it to Harry would work. So that's kind of an instance where we do see the magical bond between master and house elf. Now getting back to a little bit of like the house elf magic, not the bond magic. Um, So, House of Magic is performed without a wand. um, And there are creatures that don't really mind the no... What's the law? Like, non-magical that like wizards are the only beings that can carry wands or the only creatures that can carry wands they don't really have a problem with this number one because they can do their own magic they don't need a wand and number two it probably comes comes down to like their submissive nature like they probably wouldn't really rise up and try and fight for the right to have wands and I, I put this phrase in there that they're too good for wands like their magic is too they don't need wands Um, But it is also implied that they could use wands to do normal wizard magic if they got their hands on a wand. Because in the Goblet of Fire, when people believe that Winky used Harry's wand to cast the dark mark... Like They obviously believe that she could have used a wand to do magic that she would not be able to otherwise. So it is implied that if house elves could get their hands on wands, they could create magic just like a wizard could. They could use incantations and in the spells and do magic, just as if they were a wizard or a witch. But they do mostly use their magic just to complete household tasks, like cleaning and cooking. Um, we see this in the ministry in the fantastic b series which i think is really cool you see like households like washing the windows like being levitated up in the air um stuff like that that's what their magic is mostly used for but to me originally I always kind of thought it was too easy or too convenient that like oh house health magic is just different that's why <laughs> Dobby can disapparate and operate into Malfoy Manor just kind of this easy solution but I do think that it is kind of like very typical of JK to have like this lesser being as seen in the eyes of Voldemort and of the wizards, being able to, like, take them down. We kind of have talked about this before with, like, the wand being transferred to Draco and Harry. Like, the fate of the wizarding world rested on this situation where two 18 or 17 year old boys were grappling over a wand in like hand-to-hand combat or what it wasn't really (laughs) hand-to-hand combat but you know what i mean it just seems kind of very typical of her writing and of her like the themes throughout the series that the thing that Lord Voldemort and Wizards looked over, they didn't consider, like, oh, household magic is beneath mm. us. We don't have to have protections against them in our basement where we're keeping our hostages, is the thing that takes them down in the end.
1: Yeah, it's also really interesting because it kind of like screws them twice because of creature being able to like operate out of um, the cave with Voldemort.
0: Yeah. So. That, like I said, originally it just kind of seemed like this thing that's too convenient, but it seems very typical of the themes kind of throughout the book of arrogance is basically the downfall of Voldemort, yeah. thinking that he's so above love, so above these things that they are the things that come to destroy him in the end. Yeah. Something I also thought of during this is that it's interesting that Dobby's magic like registered the same. Um to the ministry as if Harry had done it. So like in Chamber of Secrets, Dobby is the one who does the levitation spell, but Harry, the blame is placed on Harry and they think that he co- like did magic outside of Hogwarts. Um, so it's interesting that like the magic would show up the same on the ministries and that it wouldn't like look any different or register any different if we do know that their magic is so different.
1: Yeah, that is weird.
0: So I talked a little bit about this before, kind of the magic binding house elves to their masters. Um, So I'm just going to go quickly through this again. Um, So house elves must obey any command from their masters like we see when Harry um, gets control or when creatures pass down to Harry and if they do disobey their masters, they must or are forced to punish themselves. Again, it's unclear whether that's like a magical thing or whether that's just they're compelled to do it on their own. But we do see that households can find loopholes to their masters commands. So obviously the big example of this is when Sirius tells a creature to get out. Obviously Sirius just meant the kitchen. But creature took that to mean get out of the house, and so he used that as a way to get to Bellatrix to like let her in on what was going on. We also see this, which I think this part is really funny, and I'd forgotten this before doing this research. Um, so when in Half Blood Prince, when Harry's obsessed with Draco Malfoy and he asks Dobby <laughs> and creature to tail him within the school, creature comes back and like Harry goes through this and is like. You can't tell Draco what you're doing. You must be hidden. Like tries to fill all these loopholes, but when creature comes back, he's like the Malfoy boy ate breakfast in the Great Hall, and he just like <laughs> goes through kind of like his mundane daily tasks. And Harry's like enough, Dobby. What did you see Draco doing? So they do they do have these ways if they do want to rebel, which I think is probably very limited in the number of times households do want to rebel against their masters, or at least that we see, they are able to kind of find these loopholes to maybe work things in their favor sometimes.
1: Yeah, that's funny. That I feel like we see like the amount of we the amount of times we see house elves rebelling is way like it's skewed. Yeah, yeah, it's like overrepresentative of the amount of times that house elves actually want to disobey.
0: Yeah, and I think that JK kind of tried to correct this by taking us to the Hogwarts kitchens and showing Mm -hmm. us the overwhelming majority of what house elves are like, because at this point, we've really only seen like Winky, or Winky, Dobby, and Creature at this point, and Dobby and Creature, I guess we hadn't even met Creature at the point that we go to the kitchens. Um, But like, Dobby is the house elf that we've had the most interaction with, and obviously she wanted to show that he's an anomaly, not... Yeah. Like the exception, not the
1: rule. Right. Okay, so with that, I'm going to talk about house elves' mistreatment and about Hermione Granger's campaign, SPEW, or S P E W, depending on who you are, how you say it. <laughs> um, so, since house elves have to be blindly obedient to their masters, they've historically just been mistreated for ages. Um, obviously the parallels are very clear with slavery, although, I mean, like the whole thing is that house elves, that everybody in the wizarding world believes is that house elves like to serve. So that's complicated. Obviously slavery is not like that. We don't want to make any claims that way. Um, but yeah, so serious mistreating creature is kind of like the perfect example we see Um, Most firsthand of like how house elves are mistreated in their in their homes Um, it seems like the creature would have been better treated with the other people in the black family um, but we don't really know and I think it's interesting that like our prime example of a house elf being mistreated is is with like, someone that we've see, we see as being on the good side, right? Like, Sirius is supposed to be a good character. Yeah,
0: Sirius's, like, iconic quote is, like, "What what is that? Um, like, it's, know. oh, the measure of a man is not shown by yeah. how he treats his peers, but how he treats his inferiors. Or, like, some, that's yeah. obviously not the exact quote, but it's just funny that, no, I mean, maybe not funny, but, like, ironic. I yes. also do think that there's a lot to unpack with Sirius and Creature's relationship like obviously Sirius has reasons for how he feels about Creature which right. we will talk about in another episode
1: yeah in our next episode we're gonna go more in depth on Dobby and Creature specifically so don't think that we're just like glossing over all those yeah, big things. yeah we'll questions. get
0: back to the complicated nature of Sirius and Creature's <laughs> relationship
1: right um so Dobby was also mistreated by the Malfoys although we don't really like see that firsthand so much um like, but he did, he was mistreated enough to seek kind of independence and helping Harry. He didn't, like, go out. He, I don't think his intention was to be freed by Harry, but he was happy when that happened, which clearly means that he would have had to be poorly treated.
0: Sorry, I just have kind of a random question. So do you think that elves are named by their parents, or do you think they're named by their owners?
1: I have no idea because like the names like Dobby, Winky, Hokey, Creature, like they're not like they're like pet
0: names. They're like names that you yeah. would use on an animal, not like a person. I don't know that, ugh. but like we do kind of see that every species in the magical world does have like because like all centaurs have kind of like these like and like the
1: goblins like Bogrod yeah, and Gornak
0: and Griplock, like
1: they sound like similar.
0: Yeah, so I. Yeah, that's interesting. Sorry, I just thought of that.
1: Yeah, it is it's also interesting like they speak English. Yeah. And like I guess goblins and centaurs do too.
0: But goblins also do have their own language.
1: But do house elves in other countries, house elves in other countries speak like French or whatever? Yeah,
0: for sure. So
1: are their names like more French sounding? I don't know. Oh my god, this is...
0: <laughs> also, how, like, so, how, how do you, like, how are, wow, I'm vamping a little bit right here. So, how are house elves, like, re-produced? Because if, like, does that mean that most households have, like, a male and female house elf, or is it just one, and do they, like, breed? Like, does one, like, let's say them, so the Malfoys have, like, Nate. yeah, do they have, like, So the Malfoys have Dobby, and let's say the Lestranges have like a female, and they're just like, ooh, let's just breed them.
1: I think that it is naive of us to assume that houses like the Malfoys would just have Have one. one. I think that is, like... We don't see inside the Malfoy house. Like they probably Besides, maybe Dobby was, like, their main house elf, and, like, he was the one that's kind of, like, Lucius's, like, main, like, assistant. Like, he goes places with him. But, like, I'm sure they have house elves in the kitchens and stuff. Yeah. Or, like, at least... And, like, with Creature being the only one in the Black household, like, I think that's the product of, like... I would assume that, like, in more, like, historically... Yeah. Like... Noble houses like that would have, like, tens of house elves. And then, yeah. like, now in present day, it's kind of just down to, like, one.
0: Yeah. Hmm. But
1: that's a really good question. I think that the house elves would... No, I think the people name the house elves. Yeah. I don't know. I'm
0: kind of leaning towards the masters naming.
1: And maybe that's why they have these pet names, is, yeah. like, seeing them as inferior.
0: Yeah. Hmm. I also wonder whether decapitating the households is, like, a thing that just Mrs. Black did, or if that was kind of, like, Mm. normal. I bet
1: other people did it.
0: Yeah, because they talk about... Like, not everyone, but... Yeah, they talk about it's basically, like, putting down a dog because she beheads them before they die, when they, like, can no longer serve, like, be useful. It's kind of like putting down a dog when it just, like, it hurts for them to move around, you know? It's kind of like...
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ugh. Except it's not, like, merciful in the way of, like, putting down a no, dog. No, no. Is. It's like, it's like you're, you're no use to yeah, me. Yeah, you're no
0: use to me anymore. Yeah. I'm going to cut your head off and put it on my wall.
1: Yeah. So, obviously, all of this, whether directly related or not, is showing the mistreatment of house elves. I mean, like, we see them be beat. We see they obviously have very little freedom. Like Katie said, they can kind of find loopholes and stuff, but... Like, Creature has no control over the fact that he now has to serve Sirius and then Harry. Like, he never wanted that. Um, He's made to sleep. He sleeps, like, under a radiator or something. Like, he sleeps in that little, like, closet. They don't seem to be given, like, even, like, a small room or anything of their own, right? They wear these dirty rags. They're, They're very clearly mistreated and treated as inferior to wizards, even though they're highly intelligent and just as, like, powerful magically, which I think is interesting. Like, you were talking about, like, they have some really powerful magic, but it's it's, like, never really taken advantage of because they're always just made to, like, cook and clean. Yeah. Um, and another example I had of them being mistreated is, like, Voldemort using Creature to test the cave, and obviously Voldemort doesn't have much value for any type of life, human or non-human, but, the like the fact that he just wants to use a house elf because he doesn't think that the house elf will ever share this secret. If it does get out, he doesn't think the house elf will be able to get out. Like it's an expendable life to him, yeah. Which like human life was expendable as well, but like he chose to bring a house elf there, and like Regulus let that happen, even though Regulus and Creature had a good relationship. Okay, so, Regulus,
0: Regulus um, stood up for a man in the end.
1: Yeah, Regulus is another character I want to do an episode on. Yes. We were talking about that. Um. <laughs> So now that we've established that they're mistreated, (laughs) I'm going to talk a little bit about SPEW, aka S-P-E-W, aka Society for Promotion of Elfish Welfare. I feel like pretty much everybody calls it SPEW besides Hermione. Yeah. Well, it's it's also just shorter. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Also, so Society for the Promotion of Elfish Welfare, is it spelled with an F in the book? Because isn't what is it what? elfish? Because isn't it normally elvish? Like, isn't it normally with a V? I
1: think there are two spellings. Elfish with an F is like an elf. Oh, elvish okay. like means the something is of an elf.
0: Okay. Interesting.
1: I, I think that it is... Yeah, on the wiki, it's with an F. Okay. I don't know how it is in the books. I I think that's a grammatical thing.
0: Yeah, interesting.
1: Okay, so, yeah, it was founded by Hermione in 1994 after she saw, like, firsthand the mistreatment of the house elves at the Quidditch World Cup um, when Winky, she saw Winky um, being mistreated by the Crouches, which I think you're going to talk about Winky later, right? Yep. And... Hermione originally wanted to name it (laughs) Stop the outrageous abuse of our fellow magical creatures and campaign for a change in their legal status. So she's not the best at branding. No.
0: Just overall. Like, that should be... Doesn't she say, like, so I made that the heading of our manifesto.
1: Yes, it remains the heading of the manifesto. JK, it's thought that the inspiration for the name could have come from the Society for Promoting the Employment of Women, which was one of the first, like, women's organizations in Britain, which I think is kind of interesting. And also on the wiki, they have a table of all the translations of, of Spute, like, used in the different versions of the books. And I'm not going to read them all, but they're really... It's really funny, because all of them are, like pretty much all of them make, like, words that are kind of, like, silly or, you know, like, spew yeah, um, um, in their acronyms, and so they, like, they they translate them. So, um, like, for example, the Bulgarian one, the abbreviation is S-M-R-A-D, which is, I don't know how to say the word in Bulgarian, but it means stink in Bulgarian, um... And, like, the actual, like, full name meaning is Association of Wizards for Equality and Authority of House Elves. So, like, all of the full names, like, when you say them out, mean something similar to Society for the Promotion of Elfish Welfare, but they, like, then translate the abbreviation. Yeah. The abbreviation translates into something like spew. It's like, I don't... That would have taken so long to think up of... To think up these things. I oh, know. Um, the Dutch one spells shit. <laughs> Uh I'm just picking, picking out some of the my favorites. Um us I gotta find the Swedish yeah, one I was because yeah we had
0: to find the Swedish. The
1: the Norwegian one spells like hick hic, which is hiccup in Norwegian. Okay. The Swedish one um, spells FISA F-I-S-A, which in Swedish means to fart. <laughs> It's, like, really funny. The Ukrainian one spells urine. I just am so appreciative of this, like, the work that went into this.
0: Yeah, well, it's kind of like the Voldemort's full name, because that has to be different in every language, because it has to come out to be I am, and then whatever Voldemort, the name Voldemort is in that language as well, so...
1: a lot of work for like the linguists and translators and stuff yeah the latvian one is the like translation means to vomit
0: i guess that's kind of spew
1: (laughs) yeah it's so funny i'm really appreciative of this okay uh so back to the actual mission of spew the goal was to give house elves the same rights as wizards And her big, Hermione's big, like, issues were how they got treated, not being paid, not having holidays, that kind of stuff. Um, She got other students to join by paying two sickles for a badge, but she basically just, like, heckled people pretty much all throughout Goblet of Fire. She's, like, going around the Gryffindor Common Room, like, shaking her, her, like, collection.
0: Bringing her bell uh, but, outside yeah, the supermarket. Her...
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's just trying to get donations. Um, so Neville is one who donates because he gets bullied into it. And then Ron and Harry, of course, and they all do this to get her to stop bothering them. But with Ron and Harry, obviously that doesn't really work. Harry was technically the secretary and Ron was technically the treasurer of Spew.
0: Okay, so this is kind of off topic. But I want to take this conversation back to our, not argument, but our discussion about how much a galleon is actually worth. Yeah. Because in the, in one of the books, we go to the Weasley vault at Gringotts, and do you know what is in their vault? One galleon. That is all the money that they have saved. So if you're trying to tell me that a galleon is worth like ten dollars, I think <laughs> I stand by that a galleon is worth like forty-five dollars to fifty dollars in our money. So
1: okay, I don't wanting, think that we'll ever ever know. I don't think there are seventeen either. sickles in a galleon, just for reference. Yeah,
0: and then like. 39 so, knuts in a sickle or something like that
1: yeah 29 29 i think so yeah it's i mean she's asking for two sickles which it doesn't seem to be like pennies you know yeah i don't, I don't know what she's doing with that money more badges <laughs> like it doesn't really make sense it's
0: actually just like um a money laundering not money laundering what's the word for? a pyramid scheme yeah it's just a pyramid scheme that hermione uses to buy her sleek easy's hair potion
1: <laughs> that does happen in the same book i know <laughs> that's like the fan theory that because love potions are a uh, a theme in Haplo Prince Ginny Gaze, used a, yeah. a love potion on Harry. <laughs> oh, it's <God>. sound
0: evidence. <laughs>
1: um, so Ron jokingly created Spug Society for Protection of Ugly Goblins to make fun of Hermione. Most people's response was just to tell her that house elves liked working and this is all people that are like really ingrained in the like wizarding world. Like pureblood people or people that have been raised as wizards Um, so i think that just gets like that's like the convention to believe that in fourth year like i said she mostly campaigned trying to get people to buy badges and sign petitions and then in fifth year she really started taking action she started knitting hats and socks and the like that weren't very good and she would leave them in the gryffindor tower to quote free the house elves which First off, I don't understand how this would even work in freeing them because, like, she's not their master and she's not giving them the clothes. She's just leaving them around. Is she trying to free them? Is she just trying to, like, give them something to wear? Yeah. It's so confusing. But anyway, Harry later finds out that Dobby is the only one taking them and now the only one cleaning the Gryffindor common room because all other house-elves are afraid to clean the tower. Which this just kind of brings up the fact that, like, all of Spew Hermione had very good intentions, but was kind of going about it the wrong way in that she also was not taking into account what the house elves wanted.
0: Yeah, she kind of like there's this thing in the real world, like wh- like white savior complex, where yeah. like white people kind of go to a place that they perceive as being. Third world or needing their help and they just kind of provide them with what they think that they need instead of actually getting feedback from the people who maybe don't want their help, who are perfectly fine with the way that they live, don't need anything that we the white people give them. It's kind yeah. of like that where Hermione, like you said, like had the best intentions and wanted to help, but didn't ask them what kind of help they wanted. Just provided them with the help that she thinks that they should have.
1: Yeah, and a lot of this is coming from, like, her interactions with Dobby, where she sees, like, a house elf that wanted to be free, and, like, she recognizes that Dobby does enjoy working, but that he, like, has this freedom and he wears his clothes and stuff. So, I, I think she's misguided in her... Uh, like, interactions with house elves that she, like, really hasn't had that many interactions with them, so she can't know what they want. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it is, that's a good parallel. I think it's, it's bordering on that white savior complex type thing. She's a little misguided, but, you know, she comes around, I think, probably does better later. Yeah. <laughs> so, kind of, like, the legacy of Spew, so... Um, it's actually the reason why Ron and Hermione kiss for the first time because Ron remembers the house elves in the Battle of Hogwarts. Which, like, that makes you such an important plot thing, and it's totally left out of the movie- movies, and it's just. It's fine. Yeah. But um hermione then went on to campaign for house elf rights when she left hogwarts and her work at the department for the regulation and control of magical creatures at the ministry and i would assume that like at this point she's kind of realized where she was misguided with spew and has uh, like consults with house elves and you know i think i don't think she like makes it so that they never have to work again i think she probably just like works with them to make sure that they're like treated properly and paid if they want to be paid and all that
0: i think that was the way like she probably should have done it from the beginning is not like forcing these rights on the house elves but like creating legislation or opportunities where if they wanted to they could yeah like i assume that there's probably laws now where it's like if your household Request payment like you, like this is the minimum wage that a house elf must be pay- you know yeah. what I mean? Like stuff like that for work, yeah, and bright.
1: like things to prevent abuse, and yeah, you know, like deal with that,
0: yeah. Okay, so speaking of house elves being mistreated and being misguided in their loyalty there to their family, let's talk about Winky who. I don't know if you assigned me Winky on purpose, but I'm very glad I got Winky because now I can go through the ending of Goblet of Fire. (laughs) So Winky is a house elf that works for the Crouch family, and her family had been working for the Crouches for generations and generations. And so I think that also plays a big part in these house elves' like perceived loyalty to their masters because to her, like when she got freed, it was this big disgrace. Like what would my mom say? Like what would my dad say? Like, I am the one who stopped the like lineage of us working with the crouches and stuff like that. So I'm sure that that has a lot to do with their loyalty to their masters as well. is that a lot of times it's generations of their own family as well that had been working for this wizard family. So while she's working for the Crouches, this is when Barty Crouch Jr. I'm going to refer to them as just Jr. and Sr. throughout this because I'm not going to say Barty Crouch Jr. and Barty Crouch Sr. every time. So <laughs> during while she's working for the Crouches Jr., this is when he starts to work for Voldemort and was subsequently captured and sent to Azkaban by his father. She helped in this scheme, or at least knew about this scheme, of replacing... Miss Crouch in Azkaban and freeing Junior through the Polyjuice potion. And like they say, or like Junior says at the end of Goblet of Fire, it's like the Dementors don't have eyes. They just sensed one healthy and one sick person entering Azkaban and one healthy and one sick person leaving Azkaban. And so Miss Crouch dies in Azkaban. They buried her not knowing that she was not the one who was supposed to be there. She also, Winky, helped with keeping Junior imprisoned in the house and she took care of everything for him. Um, she made sure that he never left. Like, she was kind of his keeper um, to make sure he never got caught. She was the one who convinced Senior to let him go to the Quidditch World Cup because she said that it had been so long since Junior had left the house. We have a good control over him, like he's always under the Imperius curse. We can keep him under the invisibility cloak. And he loved Quidditch so much. So like this would really be a good opportunity for him to get back out of the house. And this works. So Winky is stationed at the top box and She has an empty seat next to her that she's just said to be keeping for her master the entire time, so Barty Crouch Sr. But in reality, Junior is in that seat under the invisibility cloak. But at this point, Junior had already started to fight the Imperius Curse. He had moments of clarity where he was almost himself again, and one of these happened in the top box so because winky was afraid of height she had her hands over her eyes the entire time and so junior was able to steal harry's wand so when the wi- riots broke out junior was able to resist the imperious curse long enough to cast the dark mark but this is when he was still magically bound to winky because there's a scene where you see her like Struggling to leave the tent and Hermione's like oh it's probably because Mr. Crouch told her never to leave the tent so she's like struggling against the magic that like kind of how we talked about earlier that house elves are magically bound to um, obey their master's orders but in fact it was just because she like I imagine that their like hands were basically handcuffed together or their like ankles were handcuffed and so she's like dragging Barty with her Which is a big feat for a tiny house elf like she is so when the ministry officials arrive on the scene winky was found and so senior knows that junior has to be around there so he goes back to like look and finds him under the invisibility cloak and he made winky take the blame for the dark mark for casting the dark mark even though she's like begging I didn't do it, it wasn't me, and obviously Barty Crouch knows that it wasn't her, but to kind of like keep up this front so that people don't continue to ask questions, like they basically needs he needs somebody to take the fall so this isn't looked into further. He frees Winky and she's devastated. So she falls into a depression and she becomes an alcoholic. Um, and she kind of like drifts around until Dobby and her link up and Dobby finds jobs for them at Hogwarts. Well, at Hogwarts, she's still depressed. She doesn't really do any work from what we see. She's kind of just always either drinking, drunk, or passed out <laughs> from the Butterbeer. Because I guess Butterbeer does... It's implied that Butterbeer does have a very small alcoholic content, but because house elves are so small it affects them a lot more so she can get drunk easily on the butterbeer um then she would so while she's working at hogwarts at the end of the school year in 1994-95 she's called to dumbledore to help explain the story and help him put the pieces together of what had been happening this year so she tells the story she helps fill in the blanks or provides like evidence proof that what junior is saying is correct but afterwards she still continues to work at hogwarts it's implied at least on the wiki it said that she still suffered from her alcoholism and depression but she does end up fighting in the Battle of Hogwarts with the other house elves. And it's also said in the wiki, I don't know what the source is, that she continues to work at Hogwarts post the Battle of Hogwarts. And it's said that she is able to recover from her alcoholism, but she never completely, like, stops drinking. Again, mm-hmm. I don't know what the sources on that are. Um, but, yeah. So,
1: so sad. I know. Sad Winky is a
0: very... She's a sad character because she is seen as this house elf that is, like, the perfect house elf. Like, she does what's asked of her. She really cares about her masters. She is, like, party... Like, you won't... She's, like, whenever Harry, Ron, and Hermione show up and they ask about the crouches, she's like, how is he doing? Is he doing fine? Like, I'm... He needs Dobby. He needs Dobby. Or, sorry, he needs Winky. He needs Winky. Um, But because of their circumstances her master had to set her free and she spiraled into depression and alcoholism
1: yeah it's so sad and it's also just like I feel like there were a lot of years for me probably like through like high school that I didn't read the series and I had only like seen the movies so I like totally forgot about her role I think I remembered her, she existed, but she plays such an integral part of the plot. Yeah. And the Goblet of Fire movie, the way they did it, really doesn't make sense without her. Like, there's yeah. so many plot holes in it. And I think it's such an... Like, she really fills in the plot and how, like, Barty Crouch Jr. escapes and all of this stuff, like, makes so much sense with her. And I think, like, that book is just so... It's so detailed, and the movie just is so bad.
0: I know. I literally was watching it the other day, and the scene where Barry Crouch like reveals everything is like, I swear to God, less than a minute long. I'm like, <laughs> God, that movie is just such trash. Like, I literally think it's the worst one. Yeah. Like adaptation wise, they just leave out so much so that movie is just basically like a glorified olympics like the only <laughs> thing that happens in that is the quidditch world cup and then the three tasks like yeah oh god sorry
1: all right so now i'm going to talk about hokey who is another house elf that we have a little information on so she belonged to hepzibah smith and Harry, when he sees her in the Pensieve Memories, describes her as the tiniest and oldest house elf he had ever seen. So that's like, that's saying something. Um, she used to flatter Hepzibah, and it's kind of like speculated maybe this was part of her duties as a house elf. <laughs> and so Hoki was ordered by Hepsibah to bring out Hufflepuff's cup and lock it, Slytherin's locket, um, one day when Tom Riddle was visiting and then of course tom riddle being tom riddle he returned to steal the cup and lock it and he poisoned hepsuba by putting something in her evening cocoa and then used a false memory charm on Hoki to make her think that she had done it and my question is why not just imperious her because i feel like that well, i guess then she could have said unless you kept her under the imperious Curse. I also
0: wonder if there's something with the Unforgivable Curses where it, like, notifies the ministry when one is used. Mm.
1: I don't know about that.
0: Because, like, obviously they're illegal. And the only times we ever see them being, I guess, like, outside of Goblet of Fire are, like, during wartime, so... Maybe they, like, don't – I don't know. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I feel like that's that's too – thinking highly of the ministry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I was thinking, why not Imperius? But then if, he would ha- have had to kept, keep her Imperius so that she wouldn't tell. Yeah. Because you don't forget what you've done when you're Imperius, so. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, The Ministry slash Wisingama deemed that it was an accident because Hoki was so old and confused, but she was convicted of manslaughter. Well, I guess manslaughter is like accidental. And I think that she goes to Azkaban. I don't know. It said on the... It didn't say on the wiki that she went to Azkaban, but I'm pretty sure for some reason I have it in my head that she went to Azkaban.
0: Oh, also, I don't know where I came across this, but... I know that before we had talked about how like the only way you get sent to azkaban is for life that is like not true because we s- there is one yeah. instance in the book where like somebody's sent for like a week or like two weeks or something yeah and
1: sturgis podmore gets sent for like six months
0: yeah 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 so yeah. that assumption is fact false so you can just be sent to azkaban for normal sentences not for life
1: yeah so even though probably fucks you up for life oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) so years later Dumbledore visited her and was able to remove the false memory charm and this didn't do enough to prove that she was innocent like it didn't prove that Tom killed Hepzibah but he was able to then get a memory from her of Tom like showing interest in the objects and like having seen them so through that Dumbledore kind of assumes the rest and then um I don't know if it's a said explicitly said or implied but she died shortly after she was very old so another house elf left out of the movies and like not as integral to the plot as winky but it, the movies without that information kind of just like make it seem like they would just know that it, it's hufflepuff's cup and yeah also
0: can. not only is she not in the movie but like Hepsibah smith is not in the movie so no. we don't even know how Voldemort got his hand on the locket in the cup. It's never explained. Yeah, I guess it's not really explained how he gets his hand on anything because you don't even go no. to the Gaunt house,
1: and you don't hear about like him going. You don't hear about the, him getting the diadem. Yeah, and, and him return. You don't know how he got it into Hogwarts either.
0: Yeah, because you never see him go back. What memory do you? So we just see the memory of the him Gaunt at the house. orphanage.
1: Yeah, the the orphanage, this one, the Slughorn one, and
0: wait, the what's Ga- this one? Dumbledore
1: going to the Gaunt house.
0: No, in the movie.
1: Oh, oh, I thought you meant. At,
0: oh no, sorry. In, in the, the movie, movie is you see the, the orphanage, orphanage, the only
1: one. And the uh, Slughorn.
0: Yeah, I guess that. Yeah.
1: And then, like the in six, that's all you see. In four, yeah. you see the party Carriage stuff.
0: Yeah, but you only see Barty Crouch and Igor Karkaroff's trial. You don't, and like Barty Crouch, or no, you don't even see Barty Crouch's trial. You just—it's the same memory, the Igor Karkaroff trial and Barty Crouch being accused is the same memory. They really botched memories in this.
1: Yeah, Barty Crouch Junior. Junior.
0: <laughs> oh. Yeah. oh. Sorry, I just thought of this. So, I I've been t- I told Audrey before recording that I've been watching a bunch of movies. Like, I've been watching, like, three or four a day. This is the, what the unemployed life of a recent college graduate looks like. Um, anyways, one of the movies that we watch, my dad was like, you have to watch this, you have to watch this. So, we decided to watch it to get him to shut up, basically, about it. But it was actually pretty good. So, it's called, like the inspector calls or something and it's this like bbc it, the movie is only like an hour and a half long so it's definitely like a shorter one it was originally a screenplay but miranda richardson who plays rita skeeter which is what made me think of it is like one of the main characters but the main character is played by david thewlis who is lupin but it's really good i think that we watch it on amazon or hulu it's one of the two but it's like a mystery who done it. And like I said it was originally a play, so there's like limited characters. The ending is like super ambiguous. It's good. I recommend. <laughs> Anyways, so house elves, the next section I'm going to talk about is house elves at Hogwarts. So, Hogwarts has the most house elves of any single dwelling in Britain, which Kind of makes sense because it probably is one of the dwellings in Britain that houses the most people. I guess like St. Mungo's in the ministry might compete with it, but people aren't sleeping at the ministry, so they probably need like less households to. And you're not like providing food at the ministry either. Like there maybe is like a restaurant, but they don't need like a bunch of households in the kitchen. And then St. Mungo's. I don't know, probably has like the second most house elves of any dwelling in Britain. Um, And this is not in Hogwarts of history, which like Hermione is scandalized by, that there's no information about Hogwarts being cared for by house elves. So they work in the kitchens, they make all the meals, they clean the entire castle. They're the people, I guess they're not technically people they're the beings that take the luggage of the students up to the because like the luggage is always just magically in their dormitories when they come back from the feast like the house elves are the one that carry the luggage up there i assume through magic because like seeing them try and like carry them up the stairs would be super comical um but yeah so they basically do everything they like light the fires um they do everything for the students and for the castle. Which is interesting because then what is Filch's job? Because if his is supposed to be like caretaker, like basically <laughs> the janitor, like why is he needed? Right. Why does a why is a caretaker a position that's needed? Because he doesn't like everything he does, households could do better.
1: All he does is punish. <laughs>
0: yeah. Like, maybe he's the one that goes out during the day because the households aren't, like, meant to be seen. So, like, he's the one that does stuff, like, while students are out and about. I don't know. So, Dumbledore does treat them fairly. Um, he doesn't obviously like punish them. They're never abused by him. and he's willing to pay them uh, like we see because when Dobby, Starts working. Dumbledore does offer to pay him. I believe Dumbledore offers to pay him ten galleons a week and weekends off. And Dobby's like, "Oh, but I talked him down, sir," (laughs) and he talks him down to one galleon a week and one day off a month. And Dobby sees this as like a huge victory and something he's really excited for. And Hermione's like, "One day off a month!" and is like super scandalized by this, which just shows again like her her, um, like her disparity and what. She thinks the house elves need and what the house elves want, because even Mm. like Dobby is seen as like the most radical house elf. Like he is the one that's changing the way that house elves are. Like he's the one who's the only one who we see asking for things, and he literally asked for one galleon a week and one day off a month, which again, ten galleons a week. If I'm if we're (laughs) operating if I'm operating under the assumption. That again, I is worth like 45 or $50. That is, that's a lot of money, especially for a household. Because, like, they don't have to pay rent. They don't have to pay for where they're living. They he don't have to pay to for food. Stocks. He just has he's to buy stocks. stocks. He just has to buy clothes. Which, again, like, maybe is why households don't really fight that hard for money or why Dobby doesn't ask for very much because they're living. Servant, so they don't have to pay for a place to stay they eat the food that's at the master's house so they don't have to pay for food so they really only need money for like entertainment purposes because yeah. also if they're um like not free then they don't they can't buy clothes right so there really is no need to <laughs> need to have money but days off would be nice i'm sure the other house elves at Hogwarts see this as like a huge disgrace, and they shun Dobby, which is really sad because Dobby's so. Okay, I will say that I think we get a little bit rose-tinted glasses with Dobby a lot of the times because in the book he's like actually kind of annoying sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. like
1: we can talk about this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we can talk about this in a Dobby episode, but um, it's. It's sad that he's still, like, shunned by all the other households. And, like, they won't even, like, go near him and all these things. And, like, you mentioned earlier, in fifth year, Hermione starts knitting... Tea cozies, I believe Ron calls them, but they're yeah, they're really hats for the house elves, and she hides them like under things so that unwitting house elves can like pick them up and be freed. Which again, you talked about earlier, but I was going to mention this section like why does Hermione think that she has the authority to free them, <laughs> or is she just kind of like want to give them nicer clothes? Like, is that the end goal? I don't know. Um, but that's a little yikes. Trying to like, if she if she's under if she thinks that she's setting them free. Like, that's kind of not great
1: um,
0: by, like, tricking them into freeing themselves if it's not something that they want. But, like you mentioned, as a result of this, all the other house elves refuse to clean the Gryffindor common room. So it's actually just kind of backfiring and making things worse for Dobby because now he has to do everything by himself.
1: Yeah.
0: But at the Battle of Hogwarts, the Hogwarts house elves do take part in the fight, and like you mentioned earlier, this is when Ron and Hermione share their first kiss. Ugh. And it's so cute because it's basically just this moment of, like, Hermione just, and this over, like this overwhelming feeling of love, like, just washes yeah. over Hermione for Ron. She can't control herself.
1: It's like Ginny and Harry's first kiss, too, yeah. which is also botched in the movies, so where yeah. it's like, Quidditch, yeah. you know they've got Quidditch, and Ron and Hermione got themselves. Yeah, like. and
0: they're both just like moments of pure like, because like the Ron just and like Harry, emotion. Yeah, because Ron and Harry or Ron, not Ron, and Harry, <laughs> Harry and Ginny is like after a big Quidditch win, and everybody's yeah. just so excited. And this one's like during a battle. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that it's shown later that they're, like, stabbing people in the feet with knives that they yeah, get from the Yeah, I kitchen. think they have, like, cleavers, <laughs> yeah. like, meat
1: cleavers, and all the Death Eaters are like, what the fuck? They don't <laughs> know what's going on. It's so funny. Hi, I'm Ryan Howard. And I'm Brady Jungle. And we're the hosts of Out of Contracts, a show where we watch and talk about a random episode of Star Trek every other Sunday. For each podcast, we've used a, a random number generator to select an episode of any of the Star Trek series, and then we talk about the story of the episode, what the writers hope to accomplish, and how the episode fits into the larger tapestry of Star Trek as a whole. The thing is, though, that each of us has only seen about a third of the Star Trek episodes in existence, which means that sometimes I'll we'll watch a late-period Deep Space Nine episode and have no idea what's going on. It's fun! So, if you've ever wondered about the logistics of love on the holodeck... Or what it would really look like if all the water got sucked out of your body... Then listen to Out of Contracts every other Sunday at outofcontracts.podbean.com or wherever you download podcasts.
0: Okay, so for our pop quiz today, I apologize. We apologize for not posting in our Facebook group,
1: um... We just came up with it two yeah. seconds
0: ago. We all, I, I also just apologize for not really like being a part, like being super active on our Facebook group. But we also just don't have that many members of our Facebook group at the moment. So if you want us to be more active on our Facebook group and like curate some more discussion, join it. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so our pop quiz today is going to be: Who is your favorite house elf? So we're going to be choosing between Dobby, Creature, Hokey, and Winky, because I believe those are the only house elves we have names for and actually, like, get to know as an individual, not just as the Hogwarts house elves. So, Audrey, who's your favorite house elf?
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's not Dobby. I'm sorry. We can talk about this more in the next episode. But I guess Winky, I... I don't know that she's, like, my favorite, because, like, she doesn't really have a lot of character traits. Yeah. But I think that I really enjoy, like, her role in the story, and I, like, kind of feel bad for her. I think that she has, like, a tragic story. I... I don't know. I appreciate her devotion to the Crouches, even if it's, like, misplaced. Yeah. I also think she's just an interesting character.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate what she provides to the series and to God of Fire. Like her role. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my like gut instinct was hokey. I really don't know why. I think it's probably because I have this thing about me where like I can't I can't like popular things and hokey is like the most unexpected <laughs> answer. Um, so yeah. So I'm gonna choose hokey, and I'm gonna stand by it. And I have reasons. Number one, because Hepsiba Smith is a descendant of Hufflepuff, so I gotta support my Hufflepuff gals. Um, <laughs> I also think her relation with her relationship with Hepsiba is like super cute. Like, granted it's this like there's always this power dynamic when you talk about like house health relationship with wizards, but like she, like, Hepzibah Smith is basically just, like, this baddie old woman. And Hokey just, like, accepts her for who she is and, like, supports her. And it's just, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like they're just super cute. And I'm sure that, like, Hokey and Hepzibah are, like, the only thing... They're the only people they have to interact with a lot of the time. Because Hepzibah like, obviously doesn't have a husband. Like, she lives alone. And so I feel like I could just picture them, like... Drinking, like, <laughs> just sherry, like, on nights, just like watching television, just like gossiping about, like, I don't know. Obviously, this is all like not founded in the book, but I just feel like their relationship is super cute and hokey. I just say, like, I don't know, accepts Hepzibah for who she is, and I, like, obviously, that's probably not like her choice probably because she's a house elf and she's <laughs> like oh you're so pretty like oh you're amazing and Hepsibo supposed like yes yes i am <laughs> i don't know i just think that it's super cute yeah
1: um i also want to like put a disclaimer we don't dislike dobby i think both of us don't like choosing the obvious answer that wouldn't be very interesting if we said dobby yeah also yeah i i like dobby I just don't like him as much as some people do, so I feel like I can't say he's my favorite because I'm, like, not so devoted to him as a lot of the fan bases.
0: Yeah. I also am going to circle back to what I mentioned earlier that, like, sometimes he comes off as really annoying. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Like, until he died, I always kind of thought he was annoying.
0: Well, also, like... Harry, like his his relationship with Harry is like Harry finds him annoying ninety percent of the time. Yeah, too. like I think we're supposed to find him annoying, but, but like then after he gets he, like
1: glorified in death, yeah,
0: like after yeah. he dies, it's like oh, they were so cute, yeah. they were the best of friends. Where in like reality, Harry basically just put up with him a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Preview for next episode. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> cut it off there. True. Um. Okay. So, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of those. Starting with the next episode. So, there's going to be two weeks until the next episode. That'll come out June 9th. But then, starting with that one, we're going to do weekly episodes again for the summer. I guess, I mean, we're college graduates now. But I guess we still are in that mindset of, like, the summer is, like, summer vacation. Um, So... Yeah, we're going to do weekly episodes, so get twice the fix of wizard studies, and make sure you go and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, um, rate, five stars.
0: Um, Speaking about reviews, so I don't reviews do like actually help us a lot like the more reviews we have the better reviews we have like I guess maybe not even the better but like the more reviews we have like the higher we show up when people search for podcasts like it just helps us grow a lot so I know I've like kind of jokingly mentioned that like we haven't gotten like a review in a while um but I just want to like let you know let you guys know like why we ask for reviews um so yeah, it like means a lot to us to get a review. You don't even have to like write anything. You can just click the five stars. That helps us out a lot too. Like it doesn't take very much of your time. Um, I know that not everybody listens to the end, but if you do listen to the end and you haven't left us a review, I'd really, really appreciate it if you did. It does mean a lot to us when you guys do it really like whenever i see a new review on there like it, it like literally makes my day we do put a lot of like work into this um and so getting a review makes it all worth it <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's my spiel on reviews for this episode but you can also find us and contact us and let us know how amazing we are through these other channels can find us on Facebook as Wizard Studies Podcast. Like I mentioned earlier, you can join our Facebook group, which is just Wizard Studies Podcast group. I actually don't know whether we mentioned the name of the group last time we talked about it. We just said join our group. Um, but it's also, it's also linked-
1: pinned on our Twitter. Yeah,
0: it's pinned on our Twitter. It's posted on our Facebook page. So if you like our Facebook page, um, we do really want to like use that as a way to get you guys more involved in the podcast i know that we literally just forgot to post the pop quiz to get you guys involved (laughs) but we are recording tomorrow as of the day we're recording so we are going to post a question so you have like 24 hours as of right now to answer it to be a part of the episode and we do want to get like we're going to use that as the place where we post like the articles we talk about and stuff like that on the facebook group so join it you can find us on Twitter as Wizard Studies and Instagram as Wizard Studies Podcast. You can also email us at wizardstudiespodcast at gmail.com. And those, like we mentioned earlier at the beginning of the episode, um, those are the places you can DM us your address for when you donate, if you donate to our GoFundMe for Pride Month.
1: Yeah, or if you have any questions about that. Yeah. Okay. As always, thank you so much for listening and remember, just do your best, we'll do the rest.
0: And learn until our brains all rot.